he makes things up, embellishes things all the time. And the people who are all over Santos are all too happy to forget about this. But again, it's the same deal. Well, he doesn't lie as much as Donald Trump, or he didn't make up as many things about his life as Santos, or some of this is just spinning yarns, as the New York Times once referred to it. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. And welcome to the Golden Globe Award winning Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. Did we win a Golden Globe? That's what I got an email from George Santos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it said congratulations. On your globe. <laughs> On your globe. So congratulations. Well, we said it. It must be that true. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. Thank you so <laughs> much. Right <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, it feels like it was like four years ago that we were uh, sitting here and talking about like prepping for the the speaker battle and how many battles it was going to take. That was only like one week ago. Uh, amazing. It's a long week. It's crazy. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes, About a little bit about more about our friend, Mr. Santos. Uh, in Kentucky, we had the filing deadline came and went very kind of interestingly, and we have one race that we think we already know perhaps the winner with only one candidate in each um, in each party. And one Filing race is that. getting a lot of national attention, the governor's race, we'll talk New York about Times that. And, and other pe- publications looking into it. Yeah, uh, We're talking about a little bit about, uh, before we get to uh, all those topics and about the, the, the attempt maybe to, to, to ban like gas stoves, <laughs> Sean Southard, who, by the way, has, we'll talk about that in a minute, it was a very clever sort of T-shirt plan with that. But, Sean, I want to ask you about your – I want to – What are you drinking? I want to <laughs> – What is that? I want to give this – I'm going to give this as a precursor just in case you're not fully in charge of your capa- your, your faculties here. Yeah, what I'm is not, that? I, I'm not sure what a Xenify is, but I yeah. found it. I found it in the fr- – hello, friends. I'm smiling. Yeah. I'm just going to put this Zenify. on the internet. What is Zenify. that? So he started drinking this when we came in a few minutes ago. It's a stress-relieving just drink. Find something yeah. in the and fridge. It, 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 it cracks it, it open. It has like it, little, it has it has something called uh, GABA or GABA G A B A, which is a neurotransmitter that blocks impulses between nerve cells in the brain. Well, my main question is: Normally, you have an impulse during the show to backhand Joe Arnold. <laughs> Are you feeling like that impulse is inhibited? I feel like I have lost touch in my limbs right now. <laughs> So, I'm not <laughs> did you, you get old? that out of my fridge? By yes. Way? Oh, you do really? I thought you bought it like uh, at no, a gas station. No, I, I just started, you know, like a raccoon in a fridge over there, like looking around. Trying Give me to that find can. Something. Let me see that. Is it got sugar in it? Stress yeah, relief. It's got, it's got like twelve grams of sugar. Oh, Ooh. thirteen grams of sugars. Well, no wonder you feel better. <laughs> I feel, no, he feels nothing. I feel very peaceful right now. Non-GMO, crystalline fructose. My favorite part is what may be soothing me most is it has a coexist logo on the side of the can. Xenify so. is infused with natural antioxidants. Mm. Antioxidants supplement. It's it's got the GABA comes from a uh, green tea. Promotes serotonin and dopamine. And it does say coexist am I gonna, on here. Am so I going to be hear high? A big, am a big I high? Crash halfway <laughs> through the episode. What's happening? Sean sure has right gone down. I'm not even sure that's legal to drink in this state. <laughs> Can we get them to sponsor the show? Anybody else drink anything? Good? Zenify, brought to you by Golden Globe Award winning. <laughs> you know what is weird about it? It's one of those country. skinny cans. I, that's why yeah. I grabbed it. It's because I thought, you know, that kind of looks nice. Yeah. It's funny how that affects your, your perception of things. Is like the shape of the can. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Good job, Sean. Thank you. Let us know how you're feeling throughout Kevin, the Kevin, good to see you. Jerry, how's your good baby? to see you. Hey. Yeah, how's your baby? <laughs> you know, we, we, we've come to an understanding. He's got his half of the house. I've got mine. And we finally had peace come come across our house. So he's good. Where is Thanks. your wife and other child? 
they can go back and forth, but it's really me and him. We split it up. Well, to quote uh, Gomer Pyle, famous American, surprise, 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 Joe Biden says <laughs> that he found that classified documents have been found in his closet. Yeah. As Scott said on CNN a couple nights ago, it, b- between the Reader's Digests and the shoebox of lace doilies. <laughs> so, well, they were, they were, we were talking about it on the air. And those are like the two most old person things I could think of. Like, what would Joe Biden have in his closet other than classified documents? Reader's Digest and Lace Doyle. I, I imagine that's what's in there. Like I don't a know Diet what else. Coke from 1942. I just, I, I just imagine that's Diet Cokes were not a, a, but I had alive. A, okay. I had, a, I, I pulled a good one the other night on AC 360 though, Jared. How do you see this being handled by Republicans in, in Capitol Hill? Yeah, I think every Republican in the Capitol is feeling like the Michael Scott paper company sauntering back into Dunder Mifflin tonight. Well, 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 how the turntables. I mean, <laughs> I it exactly right. This is the, the political usefulness of this for the Republicans as people attack Donald Trump about his issues. I get it. And uh, they're not the same. And yes, there'll be conflation here. But the political useful, uh, useful, uh, usefulness of this cannot be underscored. Cannot be overstated enough. I mean, I mean, to give Republicans this talking point for the rest of their natural lives uh, almost exonerates Trump. And, you know, in, in terms of debates and what comes up, I mean, if this ever yeah. comes up, and way, somebody brings it right it up, there. you're always going to have this retort. Now, this idiot on the Internet, Aaron Rupar, he's a, tweets. He's a big fan of yours. I saw that. He tweeted and was attacking me saying Scott Jennings is being paid to lie to people, saying this, quotes, almost exonerates Donald Obviously, what I was saying is in the context of a political fight about this, if right. somebody attacks Donald Trump over it, he's going to retort, oh, you mean like Joe Biden's died? That's obviously what I was saying. But right. this professional moron, idiot, whatever he does for a living, was trying to take out of context what I said. And I just wanted it stated for the record. I didn't say it exonerates him legally. I said as a political debating matter, That's right. this, this essentially is a neutralizing item. In fact, your preface of all of your remarks on CNN was – as a political analyst. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, way, Anderson asked me, how are Republicans in the Capitol going to treat right. it? And so I, I'm giving you the correct answer. We do want to give Steve Carell and friends, though, the actual credit they deserve here for the original line. <laughs> well, well, well. How the turntables... <laughs> that was the that was the I, that was the inspiration. I am impressed by your your random pop culture uh, references. Anderson Cooper could barely keep it together. He he busted a smile and was snickering along. It was, but it, it is it is like it is so true though. And tonight, just before we walked in the door here, it's Wednesday evening as we're recording. There's now a, there's now a second. Look, by the way, if you read these stories carefully, they won't tell you where they found the other yeah. documents. It's like. More documents in a second location. They're being real careful about that mm-hmm. location. Now, I'm just saying, Joe Biden's been in a lot of places, and now we know that there's been documents in at least two of them. I don't know, Matt. I feel like we ought to raid anywhere he's ever been. <laughs> Delaware, Rehoboth Beach, Hunter Biden's hotel out of rooms. His pockets. Now, I, I mean, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I agree with your analysis that that uh, that this will be used politically, and you, it, it is somewhat of an antidote. Are you about to be contrarian? I am. Hold on. But I'm saying is, but at the same time, let's let's keep this in perspective, though. First of all, he's an old man. <laughs> you know? And he, he, there shouldn't there be some grace if he forgets where he puts things? But he I took mean, them, that's one defense they could go with. When he the was vice president. Defense. Yes. When he was vice president. I mean, 
a long time ago. Was he senile back then? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. But secondly, and I'm hoping that we might go this direction, Donald Trump should be held accountable for having classified documents. Here, here's the thing. And Joe Biden should, too. My whole point is less about saying this exonerates. I don't think you're saying it exonerates. But my <laughs> point is is that this this is less about exonerating Donald Trump than it is about damning Joe Biden. It, it, That's the way I see it. The, the, the thing is about this story is Donald Trump probably did a dumb thing, and yes. he's under investigation for it. But the strident commentary from the Democrats and from Biden himself mm-hmm. and from all of his people and from the media, you know, this should be disqualifying. This per- you know, they, They're acting like what happened to Donald Trump should absolutely 100 percent either A, land him in jail or B, disqualify him from the presidency. They were cheering on the raid of Mar-a-Lago. Now all those same people are now falling all over themselves to tell us, well, how this is actually different. How is this actually different? And oh, we, and like you just said, well, shouldn't he have some grace? And <laughs> Joe, and even on the View the other day, they were like, "Well, you know, we trust Joe Biden. He's not a known liar. Therefore, <laughs> if he takes classified documents home uh, and puts them in his whatever, then that's fine because he's a trustworthy person." I mean, th- this is the defense of it. It's ridiculous, Sean. Well, yeah, and I think that you, the whole argument that Joe Biden made at the beginning of this was not obstruction or a legalistic argument. It was an argument about responsibility. You saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. <laughs> How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. Oh, please t- tell thought, us. What data was in there that made compromised oh. sources mm. and methods? Oh. By that I mean names of people who Weep helped or etc. Oh. You know, here's the thing. That and, fall and just, off of uh, that totally high horse must really hurt. Weeping now, Jesus like that on fall the off that big bicycle he <laughs> do, took. <laughs> okay. oh. now, this is the part where I'm going to jump on your bandwagon. So <laughs> do we know yet the content or what they in general yes. was uh, no no um, on the Trump ones because in Biden's case they include Ukraine Iran and the United Kingdom and Trump here's my guess my Trump I'm guessing that he kept the handwritten note from King John Un because it was a good it was a neat souvenir because Trump is all about himself well, remember on the Trump ones. Within five minutes of this story breaking, it was oh he has the nuclear codes right. and he was planning <laughs> and he was planning to sell them to the highest bidder. Yeah. Then after the election, it was uh, sources now tell the Washington Post there were no nuclear codes. Right. Now on the Biden what? documents, oh yeah, you can you can Google that while we're sitting here. Zen Sean, you can also Google it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> He's too mellow. No, his hands literally do not work. But on the Biden they ones, haven't, you haven't moved your arms in five minutes. I might be having a stroke. On the on the Biden ones, it was like there's briefing papers in here on you know things that don't matter like Iran, Ukraine, you know, like, you know major well, issues in the and world. And frankly, when you think about it, I mean, just not to be conspiratorial, but this was in his post vice presidency period. And yeah, he when, he and, when he and Hunter were cooking about up. Ukraine, yeah, and, yeah. think and you, about it. And well, know, and Hunter was on the board of Burisma, right, mm-hmm. making all this money over there. I, I, Jamie Comer, our friend of the pod and congressman from Kentucky, has already snapped off a letter to the National Archives about this. This deserves the same amount of attention as the Trump document. It doesn't matter that the Biden people are willingly turning them over. It's like if you read the stories, it's like they did everything right. Well, they did everything right. From the moment they realized he had them stashed in his house. What about all the years they've been sitting there? The reality is Joe Biden has been sitting on 
national security documents out in the open for years longer than Donald Trump was. And years. And you know who does not have the power to declassify documents? The vice president of the United States. Right. So you're saying right. we may need to discuss the chain of command of these documents. Why Correct. did he have them? And, and, and the fact of the matter is he doesn't know how they got there. He said he was surprised. I'm surprised <laughs> yeah, they found I mean, those. Talk about yeah. the level of irresponsibility to just be like, huh, I don't know. He couldn't be – he wouldn't have I mean, been as surprised if he woke up with his head sewn to the I carpet. have heard a few Democrats <laughs> uh, a few Democrats critical of Biden saying, listen, classified is classified and, and, and it should not have yes, been right. done. To Mark Warner's credit, yep. to Mark Warner's credit in the U.S. Senate, Democrat senator from Virginia, he's said that they need to investigate this. And, you know, good for him. <laughs> Yeah, open it up. So I've long been concerned about, you know, classified materials. I'm old enough to remember Hillary Clinton not being able to handle classified <laughs> materials correctly. What? I oh. know. <laughs> it, it is crazy that the last three presidential candidates have all been. What seems if, like there's a real problem with this. What yeah. if when Donald Trump had had his deal with the Mar-a-Lago, but if, what if Joe Biden had said something like, you know what? Look, I've been around these documents my entire life. There's a lot of them. When you're leaving a White House, I, I'm, I'd rather wait for the investigation to finish before That's I right. comment on this. How smart would that have been in retrospect? I realize, Joe, hindsight is twenty twenty, a phrase that you invented. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did. By the way, it's true. <laughs> and but, but this is the thing about Biden, and this happens a lot during his presidency. He frequently jumps out on these, on these law enforcement issues. How about the, the supposed whipping of right. the migrants at right. the border? He was on that that night. We're going to hold these people accountable. We can't whip, you know. Turns out this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. He he almost always jumps the gun on this stuff when there's an active and open investigation. Right. He's done it on Hunter Biden. He and his wife both have have said Hunter Biden's the smartest man I know. We're confident he didn't do anything wrong. Are you are you prejudicing the Department of Justice when you do that? He did the same thing on this. In the context too of a, a few days before the election, when the moment that it happened with Donald Trump, everybody knew. Well, Donald Trump, though, is the one who let everybody know, right? Well, but, I mean, pretty much everybody knew when they raided his house. I mean, that's true. I mean, the the deal, though, was they found out right before the election, and somehow the news media Mm – doesn't know about it or won't report it until the following January. But but here's the this this goes back to something that the House Republicans have been talking about: the weaponization of the federal bureaucracy against Republicans. Why is it when something happens to Donald Trump or any Republican? It's like there's a five-minute delay between it happening and the Washington Post or whoever being able to do a sources say front-page story. But when something happens to Joe Biden or some Democrat, you get months of delay. No one leaks it, or if they've leaked it, they sit on it. This is what they mean. The bureaucracy weaponizes information against Republicans. This is part of that, and it is a legitimate topic. I and saw, it goes all the way back to when the IRS was targeting conservative groups for trying to file, and they were looking yes. through their tax reforms. I mean, that was in the 2010s. And then they had 87,000 new IRS agents. That's why Speaker McCarthy's first bill he put on the floor was to repeal those 87,000 new IRS agents, because they're going to look into this. I'm just going to quote one random tweet in response. One of my habits, as you know, is look at the tweets that people targeted Scott after he right after he gets off the set at CNN, and someone was saying, you know, false equivalency, and the you know, the difference is is that Trump is a fascist blank. Yeah, and that and that, that is basically their whole argument. It's not about well, right. what people did. did is, but this is my view of this person. As a result, they deserve the scrutiny. And if someone I believe is an okay person, let it go. The defense of of Biden whenever he makes a mistake. 
on almost every front of his most ardent supporters is almost always, well, he didn't do it as bad as Trump did. Right. When he lies, which is every day. Well, he hasn't told as many lies as Trump, so it's okay. Now he's got documents. Well, they had fewer documents than Trump. Could, and he, and, and by what, the way, whatever happened to your friend Daniel Dale over at CNN? Is he still there? Is he still fact checking? <laughs> yeah, he does fact checks. But my, my point it is, it was a daily parade. But the people on Twitter Trump. that you're talking about, yeah, it's all the, the the defense is always the same. Well, he hasn't done it as much as Trump. It, it's crazy to me how they ran that whole campaign saying, you know, the adults are back in charge and we're going to restore normalcy to the White House, and now the standard of character for them is, well, as long as we don't do something as much as Trump did it, it makes it okay. So what are you going to tell, one less lie? You're going to have one less document? I mean, where does it end? To me, it, the, the lowering of the – they used to complain all the time about Trump lowering the standards right. of the presidency. I'm sorry, who's lowering the standards? You are. Because if you're saying all Joe Biden has to do to be successful – is to do one less thing that you didn't like about Trump? It seems pretty low bar to me. What's the? Uh, I mean, this is pretty early now in, in this discovery of the second tranche of uh, yeah. of documents here. But what's the uh, ultimate? How does this all play out? Do you think? Well, I think they've got this special counsel going already on this. Is and that Merrick Garland under DOJ the, Smith, right? Uh, a, a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. Well, there's there's a no. They've got the special counsel that's been appointed. You know, you missed like three months oh, okay. while all this was going on. Yeah. <laughs> How was the baby? <laughs> they appointed a special counsel to look into the Mar-a-Lago business. This guy, the Jack Smith guy. You're I'm talking, talking about Biden, into the Biden documents. Trump. Yeah. A Trump appointed yes. U.S. attorney is in charge of investigating the Biden documents. But what I'm saying is, why doesn't this rise to the level of being put under the same special counsel who's already looking into these same statutes and 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 the legal ramifications. And who gets there. a special master? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm, so anyway, I, I, I'm just saying he deserves the same scrutiny. Well, we'll see. Let's hope for all of our sake and for the American national security that the same scrutiny is in fact applied, and that the 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 same standards going forward. Future presidents listening to this podcast, take notice. What's amazing to Be me careful. though is is I mean when the Mar-a-Lago thing happened, literally that day. Well, the sources are telling us he's got the nuclear codes, and he's selling them to the highest bidder. That was the narrative. I bet if you ran a survey right now of Democrats in America, 90% of them would believe that Donald Trump took the nuclear codes to Mar-a-Lago for the purpose of selling them to Russia or someone else. I promise you that's what they believe. And if you know, I mean, of course, what I'm thinking about Donald Trump, again, like my conjecture earlier, which is based completely just upon just a character analysis, is that he likes souvenirs. He likes things off the desk, whatever else. And if somebody sent him a nice little note to say, I think you're the best president ever, love Kim Jong, you know, that he would keep that. But I have no idea what's actually in those documents. But, of course, Joe Biden has no idea what's in the documents they found <laughs> in his closet. And the other question is, I guess at this point, since they were found in more than one location, which is twice as many as they were found in Donald Trump's uh, house, is that how many more are there? You know, at this point, I guess you have to go look at all the houses and, and the well, and Delaware. Like, and It and sounds the, like after they found the first batch, they went and started looking at all of the other places where yeah. he is. Could you imagine well, if tomorrow the they mistake. say we found him in a third location? I mean, would you be surprised? 
Yeah, it'd be something else. Eh, all right, nuclear nuclear codes. He could be selling them to the highest bidder. You mentioned uh, <laughs> you mentioned lying. Sources say so. Bri- bri- briefly, because we talked about it last week, George Santos. Uh, do you have any sense, Scott, from your from your DC uh, following here? That uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are you know really pushing for him to resign. Kevin McCarthy coming out and saying, "Yeah, you know, let let the process work." There's a there's an ethics committee. Let that yeah. let it play out. I think this is the right answer, actually. Um, you know, there were some people calling for him to be expelled. You know, for what? No investigatory body has yet laid out chapter and verse what he might have done beyond lying. It's, it's obvious he totally fabricated his his personal narrative. But he is, he is under investigation from the feds and the state, I think, in New mm-hmm. York. I, I mean, it sounds like he's going to wind up with a referral to the ethics committee. To me, it makes the most sense to let those things finish. And then you can sort of get the scope of what his problems are. And then you can decide from there, you know, is he going to resign or is he going to be pushed out or what have you? To me, that that is – that's fine. That's, that's like, like a shocking amount of due process or something that this country uh, right. was kind of founded on. I, now, if he had any, if he had any like shame or mm-hmm. personal integrity, right. he probably would have already resigned. But, you know. I guess the question <laughs> shame is – Shame is not a, a qualifying factor for – Does this rise to the level of a, such a fabrication that he's truly a different person? I guess that's the question. Is I mean, it's almost like falsifying a document. Like he signed something to say that I don't know. He's a different. He needs citizen. one of these. He needs one of those drinks. <laughs> I think we need to ship a case of these Zen the, the Zenify up to the Santos. Have we? I'm feeling ha- pretty good, guess. Have we? Now, in all of your political background, is there anybody who's fabricated this much? Kosher? And, and been elected? Are we? Uh, are, are Joe we, Biden? Oh, think, other than uh, Joe Biden? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just need to take ninety seconds and run through this. Claim multiple times he spoke to the inventor of insulin, despite uh, the inventor of insulin being dead before he was born. Claimed on multiple occasions he used to drive an 18-wheeler, sometimes with a woman he called Big Mama. (laughs) Never happened. Claimed he had a house burned down with his wife in it. And almost lost a couple of firefighters when, in fact, they had a small kitchen fire. There were no injuries. Once claimed he was raised. Once claimed he was raised in a Puerto Rican community in Delaware. <clears throat> There's only 2,000 Puerto Ricans in Delaware <laughs> in 1970, by the way. In the Heights was basically his childhood. Claimed he served as a liaison to Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir during the Six-Day War, although he was in s- law school while that was going on. Said he remembered spending time at the Tree of Life synagogue after the 2018 shooting. The synagogue says he never went to the synagogue. Claimed his first job offer came from the Boise Cascade, an Idaho lumber company. The company says they have no record of that. <laughs> Said after he was elected vice president, he awarded his uncle Frank with a Purple Heart. Biden's uncle, who was not a Purple Heart recipient, died in 1999. He was not elected vice president <laughs> until 2008. Claimed he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965. There's no record of this. Claimed at least seven times that he had a conversation with an Amtrak conductor in 2012 or 2013 about traveling a million miles on Air Force Two. That conductor he claimed to have spoken to retired in 1993. Claimed... <laughs> Oil refinery pollution is the reason that, quote, I and so damn many other people I grew up with have cancer. He's had skin cancer because of sun exposure, but not pollution. He has also blamed oil refineries for why he has asthma. He claimed to be a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He did take a million dollars from the University of Pennsylvania, never taught a single class. He claimed that his great-grandfather was a coal miner. He wasn't. In fact, Biden admitted he made that up in 2004, but then continued to tell the story <laughs> after that. 
claimed his grandfather was an All-American football player at Santa Clara. There's no evidence, according to Santa Clara or the NCAA, that Biden's grandfather was an All-American. He claimed he himself could have been an All-American football player. He played on the freshman football team for part of one semester. Claimed he almost walked on to an unnamed NFL team (laughs) and said he could have made it in the pros despite having only played part of one semester in college. This actually sounds more and more like Santos at the end here. He claimed he hit a ball 368 feet at the second congressional baseball game in 1974. In fact, according to the newspaper article, he went over two. <laughs> he claimed, he, Betting was, practice. He, Betting claimed practice. he was shot at overseas, something he also lied about in 2007. This never happened. That was Brian Williams. He said that when he was a county council member, a woman once asked him to remove a dead dog from her lawn, but instead of removing it, he claimed he left it on her doorstep. Biden then told the same story again, but changed the ending to say that he did remove it. We're not sure what the truth is on that one. He repeatedly has claimed he was involved in the civil rights movement. None of this is remotely true. He even admitted in 1987 he was not a civil rights activist, but continues to to this day to tell the story that he was. It's his truth. Biden finally claimed that the first time he got arrested was at a civil rights protest. There is no evidence Biden has ever been arrested either at a civil rights protest or waiting to see Nelson Mandela, which he has also claimed in South Africa. So He did meet Corn Pop. (laughs) I'm just saying. Corn Pop's actually one of the, on the truer, he actually existed. I'm just saying. Yes. Occasionally, people make things up. <laughs> so there is. There, I will say, the longer you went there with that litany, which was very impressive, I did not it warn you I was going to bring this up. Crazy. It is. There's it really does sound crazy. That I know that you left out there too, because he claimed he had a full academic scholarship to law school. That he graduated top First of the class. Didn't happen. There was like eighty-seven people. He was like. 83. Yes. And I'm, I'm the only one old I mean, enough to remember well, that when he ran for president and he 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 stole whole cloth the speech from Neil Kinnock about his mm-hmm. first well, one of my... And he, he stole papers in law school, too. In, in law school. I think he plagiarized something like five pages of a of a paper in law. He should have probably been kicked out of law. But right. he's not a fascist blank. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. I, I miss some things. Yeah. I'd love to know the context of that dog story. I don't know, like... <laughs> I love him trying to win over voters. Like, well, I left a dead dog on a porch. I know you want me to get rid of this, but oh. I brought it right to your door. <laughs> I'll tell you another one that I left out now that I think about it. He has claimed, and this is despicable because it's a tragedy all the way around for years, that his wife died in a car accident with a drunk driver. There is not, has never been, never will be any evidence. In fact, the driver and the police say there was no he was not drunk. It was an unfortunate accident. And they have begged Joe Biden for years to stop referring to that person as a drunk driver. And he keeps doing it. He's also claimed his son died in Iraq. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought he that's did not. what you were going to say. He did not. This man is he a... He was a veteran who then yeah. died of cancer at home. Yes. Yeah. He keeps saying he died in Iraq. I'm just... He makes things up, embellishes things all the time. And the people who are all over Santos are all too happy to forget about this. But again, it's the same deal. Well, he doesn't lie as much as Donald Trump, or he didn't make up as many things about his life as Santos, or some of this is just spinning yarns, as the New York Times once referred to it. So why the double standard? Because <laughs> because because the ends justify the means. Because of somebody's goals, ultimately, and they can help me further my own political 
and value-oriented goals, I can accept, and there's plenty of Trump people who also accepted Donald Trump and for all of his fabrications and or embellishments. Because, but the, the, the you, difference, you can't get through one thing about Joe Biden without no, saying Trump the, did it worse. The, differ, the difference is, though, is that Trump was so over the top, even Trump didn't believe what he was saying. Joe Biden a, believes what he's saying. I think he actually believes <laughs> yes. that he is a Puerto Rican. Right. <laughs> no, I think he believes crazy. he's Puerto Rican. I mean, um, he identifies that way now. No, Trump, <laughs> Trump had kind of a wink, you know, when he was saying some of these things. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm so, sorry to annoy you with that. But I'm just saying is that let's hope we can move on, like you said before, and we can maybe have the next presidential race be a little bit less about fabricated Histories. Or just get genuine fiction writers up there and you know make it that a really true. interesting story. You know, back on these documents with Biden, it strikes me that someone's going to be tossed under the bus here. I don't know who it's going to be, mm. but if I were in like oh, that, some that, personal that, secretary, that yeah. second layer of the Biden sort of orbit, I'd be a little bit nervous. Like who packed his boxes when he was vice president? Because somebody's going to get thrown under. Because they'll never let this be, you know the you know senile Joe Biden's fault. They'll never let it be his fault. So somebody's going under. We'll just, I guess we'll find out who soon enough. I wonder if they can go now and with the third and fourth closets they're going to find later are different offices. <laughs> see if they can work on declassifying those things now. <laughs> that way they, they can say that they, they found documents. This will be were... the next layer of defense. Well, these documents are pretty old at this point, so right. does it really matter? I mean, that'll be the next line of defense. It was the Lincoln here. assassination. There I, were mean, even, I think there were even some of the reporting that came out today said that some of the documents were ones that had to be viewed in a secure... Yes. Mm. Remember, on the Trump documents, that was the, the breathless part of it. Some of these documents are so high level. They must be viewed in a special room called a skiff. That's what Biden had. Are you saying that whatever office they found these in was a special room? That's a really skiffy closet. Well, one person I saw today was saying, well, you know, he did have that closet locked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I'm telling you, they will literally defend. They will die on every hill over this guy. It's crazy. Scott, you were uh, in the midst of our podcast uh, one week ago. You were summoned to CNN to <laughs> that's true to to uh, and then to you the had, mothership, and then you were like on set for twenty three straight hours. Yes. talking about the uh, the eventual ultimate uh, yeah. election of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. It seems like again, like it was an eternity ago. What are your reflections on all that, and, and where do we come out of all that now? Yeah, um, it was a really uh, interesting couple of days to be out there um, and to be, you know, covering it. I mean, covering it a little bit like a sporting event that you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, I was hearing from a number of members of Congress who were on the floor giving us uh, some some color and some tidbits and some. You know, some thoughts about what was happening. A lot of people were, and that was interesting to to get that combined with the C-SPAN cameras to really kind of see this thing in action. I, and I said this on TV Friday night, you know, uh, Thursday night, while this was all going on, most people in the punditry world were saying, I don't know how he's going to get there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I, I don't know how in the world he's going to get these votes. And 24 hours later, he had them. It was messy, and, it, and it, I'm sure he, you know, hated every minute of it. And uh, some of it was sort of embarrassing, but he did get there. So credit to Kevin McCarthy for finding a way to get there. And then he fast forward to Monday, he passes the rules package, only lost one Republican on that. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he um, outkicks the expectations here because— Well, they're pretty low, so— Well, I mean, a lot of people have, have ragged on him, and, you know, a lot of folks like to attack him and make fun of him and just— Say you know this proves his speakership's going to be a fail. I, I hope he proves people wrong because 
we do need that chamber to function and function properly. And, you know, given what happened to him a few years ago, getting close and then having to pull out, I I, I hope something goes right for him here. I mean, he's going to have some tough fights this year and some things, and I don't know how he's going to wrangle all these people, but he has pulled one rabbit out of a hat, so we'll see what he can do now. My perception of Kevin McCarthy is just truly from, a, and this is a terrible word to sue because it's over so but from an optics standpoint, that guy was cool, consistent, portrayed confidence. I mean, it almost seemed to be detached from reality as far as how confident and and consistent that he was in saying, it's all going to work out. And, you know, re- retrospectively, hindsight, Scott, uh, it, it turns out that he was right. I mean, so he looks like, I mean, for him, it was steady as she goes. It's all going to be fine. Just just give it a few days. Because he had a, a solid team and a good plan. And and I, I thought it was impressive to watch that team work. He trusted them enough. They, they were constantly negotiating. They had a lot of people in there talking to. And then once they flipped a couple members, those members were in there talking and getting the rest of the holdouts. Um, I mean, with, with the exceptions of the people who, who were never going to get there, I think the House Republican Conference looked like a, a strong team. Do you think the uh, the relaxing of the C-SPAN camera rules because there was no speaker for you right. know for a week? Do you think any of that's gonna gonna stick around and we're gonna see more uh, back and forth, or are they gonna be under control again? What do you think, Sean? They've already. Have they already gone back? <clears throat> I kind of hope they reconsider that because I think some of that stuff was. I don't know. I, 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 one of my reflections about the two nights up there was that you know, for, for, for a change, you know, American civics was must see TV. Yeah, and that's good. You know, I mean, people were bemoaning this and that. I'm like, well, everybody's paying attention. I don't know if you guys saw the ratings, but the cable ratings for Thursday and Friday were huge. Mm-hmm. All the networks saw big increases. So, you know, if you can make this a little more interesting and get people a little bit more visibility into it, I, I'd be all for that. The bad lip readings were pretty popular. Oh, was so I saw good. one. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. The one with AOC and uh, who was the Republican congressman next to her? Paul Gozar. Paul Gozar, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was pretty funny. I mean, combined, I'm not sure that conversation contained triple digit. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the bad lip reading might have been a little saner. <laughs> so, what do you? I mean, do you think there's going to be much progress on anything during this Congress? And well, and, you know, and what do the Democrats do? I mean, because they obviously they enjoyed yeah. the. Uh, you know, the, the, the drama that was being played out there, but now they actually have to have their own strategy. I mean, the House doesn't have to do much. They have to spend the money, and uh, we have to raise the debt limit. Declare war sometimes. Um, but we, there's Hopefully not, not in the next two years. There's right. not a ton it has to do. You have to do the defense authorization. So it's not like they have to churn out bills every night. Um, you know, the big tests here for him are going to be over budget appropriations and then and then the debt limit. And if you wind up having to work with Democrats on any of that, whatever deal you have to cut with the Democrats, it ain't free. Yeah. You know, you're going to end up paying something and, for and it. And we've said on the podcast before, I think the real action coming out of the House, this Congress, is going to be at the committee level. It's going to be right. these investigations, Jamie Comer at the Oversight Committee, Jim Jordan at the Judiciary, some of these other select kit- committees they're, they're looking into. I think that's where the real action – and you're going to see the House, House majority flex a muscle. I, just to uh, think of, again about Jamie Comer, and he was a guest on the podcast about a month ago or so, and I really hope that he's given a chance to – and given a, given a chance in the media because it, this has already been pre-written and pre-cast and dismissed as a personal – I mean, I think it was a Chuck Todd after yeah, Comer yeah. was on Meet the Press saying, well, it sounds personal. Right. Like well no I mean I mean Comer is he has not have a personal vendetta against Joe Biden no Joe Biden I mean well he's been but, also very clear 
that this is, in his mind, an investigation of Biden. This is not an investigation of Hunter Biden's personal right. failings, of which there are many. <laughs> but he considers it to be an investigation of what Joe Biden knew about and was involved with Hunter Biden's stuff and the financial entanglements therein. They've they've sent letters out to, to banks to find out the financial records and and I think I think Congressman Comer thinks that there's just more here than we know. And uh and of course of course he should get to the bottom of it. If there are foreign I mean during the Trump years, you know, this was one of the main attacks on Trump. Well he's got all these foreign entanglements and he's doing deals with foreign governments and whatever. And now you've got Hunter Biden who who the most from what I can tell, and there's by the way, there's a big story in the New York Times tonight about the Hunter Biden saga, which sort of attempts to try to discredit what the Republicans are doing, but it it makes several key admissions. One of them is, it appears to me the most successful thing he's ever done in his life is lobby, based on his own last name, which in and of itself, you know, given who his dad is, like to me is is interesting. I mean, he doesn't make anything, he doesn't produce anything, but he gets paid massive amounts of money for what? What are you selling? I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's selling access to the Biden name. And the Biden name basically is his dad. And so this is all totally legitimate. And I guess the, you know, I mean, I guess what will happen is they'll turn stuff up and then the defense of it will be, well, he didn't have as much, you know, weird stuff as Donald Trump did. Therefore, <laughs> I mean, that again, that this will be the defense it. of it. But Comer's doing a great job. He was on, he's been on everything from Hannity to yeah. Meet the Press to... CNN to, to it's on ABC tonight. I'm on CNN Sunday, and so is he. I think Sunday morning. Oh, is that right? Yep. Um, he's he's making the rounds, and he's doing a really good job. So I'm proud of of Jamie Comer. He's he's doing Kentucky proud. Well, I I hope for all of our sakes, again for America's sake, that that is given a fair shake. Yeah. But I'm I'm telling you right now that I I predict it won't be because this has already been the narrative. The you know the die is cast. At the same time, this is going on. There's also part of this New York Times story. Are you yawning? <laughs> Sean Sean is is. Yawning. No more zen, no more xenophy for you. This actually is uh, probably an indication we need to wrap this up. I guess the I guess the one US of our panelists is falling asleep. I guess the US <laughs> it works. One of your eyes is closed. <laughs> I guess the US attorney is is on the brink of deciding whether to bring charges against Hunter Biden over filling out that gun form and some of his tax stuff, and so I, I guess he's he gets the investigation, the criminal investigation to him is is winding down to a decision point. We'll see what happens with all that. Any other thoughts on uh, on DC before we go to Kentucky? Mm. I don't have any uh, other thoughts. The Department of Transportation. Oh, oh my it's gosh! A complete and total shambles. Why did I not bring this up? Every domestic plane in the country was grounded this morning, and that's normal. Every every mode of transportation. Under Pete Buttigieg has had some kind of problem. The, I, I mean, every mode of transportation. <laughs> well, by the way, I mean, back to your Trains, Joe Biden thing. Planes, that and ports. that whole and the whole uh, rail strike. Some, yeah. some of the canards that were told during those conversations yes. ahead of the election, pretty amazing too. But so yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles all on the uh, platter here. Well, we had the FAA uh, grounding, but that was on the heels of the Southwest meltdown, right? Which was on the heels of the of the labor strife and the rail stuff, which I think the administration lied to the American people about. To win the election. election, so that's okay. Uh, and then, you know, how long did we wait for the ports to get fixed up? You know, I mean, Buttigieg was off on patern- paternity leave, you know, uh, while the ports were all backed up. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been one thing after another. One thing. Now— And he's fixed none of them. What is it that, though— 
the Department of Transportation spends most of its time tweeting about. Racist bridges? Racist bridges, <laughs> yes. He has made some announcements I about racist bridges. I did see today that there was a tweet and, and, and a campaign about making – was it making, like, air language more inclusive? Yeah. The language we use in – this is an FAA tweet. The language we use in aerospace matters. We've begun to adopt gender-neutral and inclusive aviation terminology as part of our agency-wide initiative. You can watch our Inclusive Language Summit. <laughs> now That's your tax dollars at work. Now, I'm not like a super genius at management, but it strikes me that if you are busy having an Inclusive Language Summit while your antiquated computer system is failing and grounding every domestic flight, maybe, just maybe, you might reassess your agency's priorities. Maybe. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overreading it. <laughs> but don't worry. Halfway through this morning, Joe Biden said, you know what, team? Let's get the planes back in the air. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah. he oh, flipped the switch yeah. and he yeah. fixed it. Well, so, he, he was like, I've, I've ordered them to turn this back on as soon as possible. <laughs> I've also asked them if they've considered unplugging it and plugging it back in. That's presidential leadership in action. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine that Joe Biden was like, took an N64 cartridge out of the thing, like blew, blew on it, on it yeah. and, and put the cartridge back in. You, you know, know, if that actually works, though, as far as him just writing a memo, he should just say, I declare inflation at 2%. <laughs> you know? Well, he's done that before. Yeah, that's he true. had a press conference once and declared it was zero. Well, that's true. Last summer. He passed a bill to say it was going to be reduced. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes. I say it so. It wasn't just a speech. He, he took legislative action on he it. He speak these things into existence. Is this a episode or what? <laughs> it's funny. All right. So in Kentucky, before well, we wrap well, up well, here. Before we go yes. on this topic. Yes. So, okay, I'm sorry. Mayor Pete. Didn't realize that there was more about Mayor Pete. I'm just – I just – you know, per- I, I would say his presidential aspirations next time around have have not have not. They're not going to get up off the ground. Between Whoa! Whoa. Crash, crash and burn. Between between, I'm telling you, that's the last one of those you have. <laughs> between, I mean, who would you say are the two like Washington Democrats that are most likely to be chomping? Champing, champing at the bit champing. to replace Biden? It's Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, right? So between Buttigieg, oh literally. Gosh. Literally screwing the pooch on every mode of transportation in his job and not being at his job half the time. And Kamala Harris <laughs> just being a rolling disaster. Man, you talk about two people who've had a rough ride. And and who does that benefit? These governors. I think the same thing's happening in the Republican Party. When you have people when, – when D.C. looks ridiculous, people look out of D.C. for leadership. And that's why I think these governors out there are looking more and more attractive – to voters, probably in both parties, frankly, as they try to figure out where we're headed next, next generation of leadership. I think everything, all this clown show in D.C., whether it's Mayor Pete or Santos or whatever, it all it all helps the governors. So if your name is Gretchen Whitmer or Ron DeSantis or... Uh, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp. Chris I mean, Sununu. I, you look better and better by being, you know, relatively sane, competent person <laughs> who does not live in Washington, D.C., Speaking of governors in Kentucky, 15 different people have filed to run for governor in th- uh, this year, uh, 12 Republicans and three Democrats, including the incumbent Andy Bashir. And uh, really kind of a fascinating process that begins now. We have some advertisements that are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, uh, At least one I saw, I think, came out today for Kelly Craft's uh, Republican Republican campaign. Any, uh, any handicapping so far? When does this begin to... 
kind of get people's attention? Well, Kelly Craft's campaign, this is her second ad, and uh, at this point she's been on the air for a few weeks, and I think she must be approaching a thousand gross ratings points. And Explain that to me. Well, I mean, it's not exact science, and obviously there's different ways to see video content these days, but there's a a, a, a generic rule of thumb that if you can drive a thousand gross ratings points of a, of a TV ad, meaning it's aired enough so that it's burned in, you know, to the viewing public. Uh, to your eyeballs. <laughs> a thousand points is generally the, the standard people would say is, okay, you could recall it maybe. But I think she's getting there with this with this ad flights. And so she's the only person advertising right now. Now, she's the probably the least famous of the serious candidates. Um, Quarles would be next, and then Cameron would be the most famous. So uh, on the Republican side. So the fact that she's up in advertising is probably increasing her name identification among Republicans. Um, you know, and based on her resources, personal and, and raised, I mean, she's going to have the capacity to get up and stay up. And drive several messages. I would expect the other campaigns to not probably be up until March. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have a little bit of room to run here uh, and, and increase her own name ID. Even though a couple of Democrats filed against Andy Bashir, they're not really serious people. One of them ran as a Republican in 1999. <laughs> right. Peppy. Martin. Peppy Martin. And, the you know, you weren't old enough. How old were you in 1999? Uh, so seven... Yeah, I think I interviewed her that year, though. By the way, but remember when she filed for office back? She went in that pom- that prom dress, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of a weird deal. But she was our nominee against Paul Patton in that second term. Lost horrifically. Yeah. yeah. Now she's a Democrat, and apparently still alive. And so uh, <laughs> one of her order. one of her campaign uh, platform uh, policy proposals is to have state run casinos. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Um, so, so really, the, the the big action for the next few months will be on the Republican side, and there's 12 Republicans running. Uh, so Matt Bevin, the former governor, shows up at the state capitol, yeah. has some fun with the reporters by kind of trolling them and saying he'll have some comments in the rotunda, then he'll walk down the hall. And instead of walking down the hall to the Secretary of State's office, he turned the opposite direction and walked out the hall to a minivan and took off. His sort of just a... Interesting saga there for Kentucky Republicans. Yeah, really interesting. <laughs> Made us look great that day. Who's now the most – Who's the? Is, are any of the three – and no offense to Mike Harmon, but I'm going to say Quarles, Cameron, and Kraft are the, 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 the front runners for this going in. Are, which of those three are the most relieved that he did not file? Uh, great question. I would probably say um, Cameron and Kraft. Uh, I think Cameron um, – He's the most famous person. Had, had Bevan gotten in, Bevan is at least as, if not more, famous or infamous. But from a raw name ID perspective, he would have immediately – I mean, everybody knows who Matt Bevan is and has an opinion about him. It's not positive, but there are some people who probably would have stuck with him as, as sure. a former governor. And then on the Kraft side, um, you know, Kraft um, um, – has will have the big resource advantage. I guess the theory is Bevin would have been able to self-fund his own campaign, and so maybe it would have been he would have been able to rival her in the short term on, you know, campaign funding. So those are my those are just sort of rough rationale. But um, at the moment, it, my view is that where this race starts is Cameron has got the biggest name ID, so he's probably ahead. Quarles is second, so he's probably in second, and Crafts the least known, but is advertising, and so we'll see how long it takes her to to pop her own name up there, and if people are going to buy what she's selling. 
I asked this question in our New Year's, uh, our, our 2023 first podcast about uh, what percentage of the vote do you think the Republican uh, primary winner will receive? What will it take to actually clear that bar? Do you remember? Did, did I ask that no, question? No, you've asked that question before, but I don't think it was on the podcast. On the podcast? Okay, well, any any predictions uh, as uh, now though, just uh, going into the primary season, what do you think they have to aim for here? Uh, I mean, the big three are going to get the lion's share of the vote. I mean, I guess the real question is of the other nine, what total vote will they take away from this thing? Yeah. I would think that Somerset Mayor Alan Keck is going to get you know, some support, especially in his region. Sure. I would think Mike Harmon has a yeah. his legislative former district, as well as perhaps other folks that might know him across the state. He's gotten a lot of votes in the past for auditor, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. twice in a row, where he and it was the big upset of the year, you know, well, eight years right, ago was against right. Adam Edelin. So he has a, a, a built in uh, electorate. I mean, a candidate like that could pick up some protest votes if if it gets real nasty. Mm-hmm. You know, if the big three start wailing on each other, you could see some people who don't like that kind of campaigning leak over to a, somebody else they've heard of. I think that I think the person that comes in first will probably get more votes than the person that comes in second. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> what, what's the percentage uh, that let wins? Let me do the math. Just, just more. So. Come on. I, I don't know. It's it's too it's too hard to candy. Hard to say. Hard to say yet. Kevin, I'll, I'll put, can, you can do it for me. What does it matter? I'm right, curious. So, I'm I, so interested in this. I'll, I'll I don't know. What I'll, percentage I'll, of the vote will Raphael Warnock get for president <laughs> in 2028? Out three percent. There will be three percent. Wow, <laughs> Joe's got a lot of a lot of fans. I did mention yes, Jared. I, I'll bite on this a little bit. I think. Thank you. I think you're going to see a lot of candidates start to <laughs> start to drop out pretty quickly. Like I know we keep talking about like twelve candidates, twelve candidates, twelve candidates. I think. As soon as polling starts going, I think it's going to become clear that there's a chance to drop You think so? Uh, you think I, these no. people who I thought think, that they could be I, governor? No, I do think so. I, I do They've think already that paid their gonna... 500 bucks. They're not getting that back. That's only 500 Yeah, they don't refund it. Right. I mean, I guess they could ask Mike Adams <laughs> for it back. I don't know. <laughs> the check bounces. No. <laughs> you know, he actually pockets that. Um, That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's, he's in a contested primary, too. <laughs> Mike's a friend of the pod. He doesn't pocket that. He He's no honest dictate. No, he is not. <laughs> he is not. No, he is not. Who is honest dictate? Fill us in. <laughs> he absconded with the state treasury. Yeah, in the he was the state treasurer, and he absconded <laughs> with our state treasury. Yeah, this was like in eighteen, yeah, late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He I was did. not so honest. It should have been not so honest dictate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was honest until he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and predict that the Republican nominee in, for one of the races, I'm going to go, I'm going to declare the race over right now. I think Russell Coleman is going to be the Republican nominee for Attorney General. Yes, oh, Russell. Yeah. Bold. Russell's our <laughs> friend not, of the friend of the pod and, got, and, and shockingly got no uh, primary. I mean, it's a pretty rare thing to not have a primary for a big time race and Congrats to Russell, and um, I think he'll he'll be elected Attorney General in November. He faces Democrat Pamela Stevenson in Colonel that race. Pam, mm-hmm. yeah, big Charles Booker fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> is that right? Well, she, um, she got the same politics. I mean, that's the thing. The Democrats she has a seat too. The Democrats went down this road of 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 trying to construct a hyper liberal ticket, and the, the the thing is, Bashir tries to hide it, and Stevenson doesn't, and mm-hmm. that that's the thing yeah. about this race. It's going to be for the Republicans. They're going to have to draw that out about Bashir. And my suspicion is, you know, you know, with Stevenson riding shotgun right there, you know, he's going to have to own some of her more strident liberal views. And uh, it won't be good for him, but it'll be good for whoever the Republicans nominate. And it'll be good for Russell Coleman. So, Sean, before we wrap it up, your, our scene red herd tonight is going to be a T-shirt that uh, you are, are proffering on uh, on the proffering in, in, on the interwebs right now. 
And this is in response to a the, national the policy. gas stove crisis of 2023, <laughs> in which uh, Richard Trumpka with the uh, what is it the Consumer Protection yes. Bureau? Yes, he's on the he's on the board of the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Yes. and he's also a massive union dude. Well, apparently, gas Boss. stoves are are killing people in droves. Yeah. Uh, people are saying it may rival climate change for the number of people. <laughs> uh, and so it is, as a solution to this, they're going to go into your homes and remove these gas stoves forcibly. No. Uh, but so we whipped up Give at, time. at the Republican Party of Kentucky a little T-shirt that says, uh, come and take it with, uh, <laughs> with a gas, gas stove uh, flame on it. Uh, and uh, you know, timing is everything, right? About an hour after we went up with our T-shirt, they back down. So uh, is that right? We no, well, but, won. But, but to be clear, the see the consumer product guy backed down. But there are Democrats all right, over this right. country who are already and have been for a long time pursuing state level regulations. Even in New York, I right. think several states out west have are trying or have already banned them in new construction. So what what is amazing about this story to me is. You know, the progressives float some stupid idea, and then when they get called on, oh, that's we never said that. We would never do that. This is totally – Republicans are totally fabricating right. this, so they deny that it's happening. And then you scratch the surface just a little bit, and you realize, no, no, it's definitely happening. Definitely. Trumpka definitely said this. Democrat governors definitely trying to do this. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez definitely interested in this. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> – Well, it was Charles Cook today of the National Review. He, he did a little – Twitter search, and he's like, how many times has AOC tweeted about the crisis of gas stoves in this country? And before, two days ago, it was zero times. But it rivals climate change. And then right after this statement went out, and they're like, she's like, well, of course we would do this. This is a huge crisis, and we need to, We all of us have been going after this and talking about the New York situation and how they and, have all these laws and regulations. And there were them. a couple of senators. Cory Booker was one. The other one I forget. Was it Blumenthal? I don't have to look, but it, they had sent a letter yeah. to the consumer. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, they had sent a letter saying, you need to look into these gas stoves. I mean, so obviously the progressives got together one day and decided, well, these gas stoves, Republicans love them, so we've got to get rid of them. <laughs> and so they started to pursue it, and then they got found out, and then they tried to – but you notice how many times this happens. The progressives float something, and the immediate – oh, Republicans just – this is a total figment of their imagination. Well, and and then the, the other thing too is that they're basing but it's not. <laughs> they were basing this on a study, okay? And the study that they're basing this stuff, stuff on, the environment that they did the test in, said they it involved encasing a kitchen in plastic sheets, removing any ventilation, and then yeah. turning on the gas. Yeah. <laughs> now, so it's small. Now, let me ask you something. You know what? You know That's what's amazing about I you think. know what's amazing about this study? It was actually conducted in Joe Biden's kitchen. <laughs> That right it next caught to his, fire. It nearly it, killed him. That's true. Uh, nearly killed him but and several people in his Puerto Rican Right next to his <laughs> skiff closet. <laughs> the closet, the closet and thank God the Corn Pop lived to tell the tale. He was locked, so it's fine. Oh, All right. Man. Any other comments before we wrap it up, boys? Eh, not really. We hope you've enjoyed this Golden Globe I feel great. I think this was great. Episode of Zenify. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings and Sean Southard's Stressful, stress-free. <laughs> stress-free drink. Stress-free drink. Jared, take us home. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. 
If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.